I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 46. If you'd like to use the red Bibles and the chairs around you, you'll find our passage beginning at the bottom of page 471 and going on to the top of page 472. We'll be looking at Psalm 46 today. Listen as I read to you from God's Word from Psalm 46, beginning in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters His voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we, as we do each week, give you thanks for giving us your word. Thank you for so preserving it that we can read it and know it is your word and that you can instruct us through the work of the Holy Spirit. Help us as we read it, as we meditate on it for just these few moments. I pray that you would fill us once again with the truth of who you are, that we might be filled with hope and courage, and strength, that we might go out and live as your people this week ahead. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When we are in times of discouragement, times that are difficult, times when we may feel particularly pressed down, maybe times of darkness, It's good to have people around us that can point us to the truth. Martin Luther experienced that kind of a friendship. If you know anything about Martin Luther's life, you know that his life was filled with difficulty, uh, filled with feeling pressed down upon, even to the point of feeling like his life was at risk because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And Luther says that when he would get discouraged and depressed, when he would feel pressed down, when he would feel attacked by the world or his own flesh or even the evil one, he would always reach out and contact his dear friend, Philip Melanchthon. And he would say, Come, Philip. Let's sing the 46th Psalm together. 
they regularly would get together and they would sing Luther's rendition of it, which has now become what we know as a mighty fortress is our God. The hymn that we began our service with this morning. When you feel pressed down by the world, you can go to Psalm 46. Luther said, we sing this psalm to the praise of God because God is with us and powerfully and miraculously preserves and defends his church and his word against all fanatical spirits, against the gates of hell, against the implacable hatred of the devil and against all the assaults of the world, the flesh and our sin. When we feel pressed down, when we feel dark, when we are confused, we can go to Psalm 46. Why? What is it about this psalm that brings us relief, that brings us a sense of strength, encouragement, hope in the midst of the darkness and confusion? Both Psalm 46 and Luther's hymn use the word, Fortress. What does that word mean? What is a fortress? The Hebrew word in Psalm 46 for the word fortress refers to a secure place that was at an inaccessible height. It was a stronghold, a place of great security. Even our own dictionary, as it defines the word fortress, gets at that. A fortified building or place, a large, permanent, safe stronghold for strength and support. And that's the psalmist's point this morning. God is our fortress. That in and of itself, that truth that God is our stronghold, our place of security... That permanent, safe stronghold for our strength and our support. God being our fortress in and of itself fills us and encourages us with hope in the midst of dark times. But what the psalmist says in the rest of Psalm 46 and explaining how God is our fortress is really helpful for us today. We're going to look at Psalm 46, and before we do that, I just want to point out to you that Psalm 46 is traditionally in three different stanzas. You can actually see that in most of your English translations if you still have them in front of you. After verse 3, you'll see a little word over on the side, Selah. And again, after uh, verse 7, you'll see that same little word over to the right-hand side. And again, at the end of verse 11, you'll see the same little word. It's a Hebrew word that we're actually not entirely sure what it means. But it likely was some kind of a musical term. As the people of God would sing Psalm 46 to one another as encouragement, as a source of hope in the midst of dark times, they would come to the end of each of these three stanzas and they would see that musical term. And it's possible that it meant that as they were singing, they were to raise the pitch. Or it's also possible that it was a note for them to pause and to reflect on these wonderful words that they had just finished singing. Regardless of what that term actually means for us, we will recognize this morning these three stanzas and three different things that we see here in Psalm 46. The first thing that we see is in verses 1 through 3, and that is that God is a fortress 
in the midst of the chaos. Chaos. That's what the psalmist is talking about in verses 2 and 3. He says, We will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. This is a description of chaos. The earth is giving way. Some sort of massive earthquake. The mountains are being moved into the sea. The water of the earth, the psalmist says, is angry. It's roaring. It's foaming. It's rising up, swelling, and covering the earth. When I was looking at this passage even just yesterday, the the image that comes to my mind when I hear those words are the pictures and the videos that we've seen over recent years of tsunamis coming in off of the coast. And within a matter of seconds, the power of that roaring and foaming sea causes incredible destruction. And yet what the psalmist is talking about here is so much worse. Because what he's talking about here is a chaos that is in essence the reversal of creation. The reversal of what we read about in Genesis 1. When God brought order to disorder. When land and sea were separated. And what we are reading here is now that the world is coming apart and the earth is giving way. He's not just giving us a picture of what perhaps might have been happening literally in the time of the people that would have been reading this, but he's giving us this picture as a, an analogy, as a picture of the chaos of what happens in our lives so often. He knew that they were people in the midst of chaos, that they were people who had every reason to fear. But that is the reason why he says in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. In the midst of the chaos is our God. And notice how he describes God. He is our refuge. That word means shelter, sanctuary, Place of safety. A fortress. Not just show, The psalmist is not just showing us where we can go to somehow get refuge. He is telling us that God is our refuge. He is our shelter. He is our sanctuary. He is our fortress. We take refuge in Him. He also says that He is our strength. We get our strength in In the Lord. And he says that he is our very present help in troubles. I was looking at that phrase yesterday. And in the Hebrew it's actually a really tricky phrase. It's hard to... It's hard to define the words that are there. It's hard to to interpret what the, the psalmist is saying. It's something like that God is our help in adversities and he is found most sure. That He is a helper among the distresses of our life. That He is well proven as a help in our troubles. The psalmist is affirming that God is particularly present with His people in their time of need. He is exceedingly near when the difficulties and troubles are significant. 
This chaos that we're reading about in verses 2 and 3 is an analogy for the storms of life. When we are in the midst of them, the psalmist says that we will not fear. We will not fear in the midst of chaos because why? Because God is our fortress. He is our strength. He is exceedingly near to us even when we can't see it. Even when we can't feel it. When we are being moved by the power of the chaos around us, notice he says in verse 5 that God is in our midst and we will not be moved as we rest in Him. Many of you know the story of Elizabeth Elliot, a Christian author, a speaker, missionary. I think she died about three or four years ago now. If you know anything of her story, you know that she lived a life of significant suffering. She lost two husbands. Her first husband, Jim Elliott, was killed by Aka Indians in Ecuador while ministering the gospel to them. And her second husband, Addison Leitch, was slowly consumed by cancer. In talking about the suffering that she experienced in life, she pointed to Psalm 46. This is what she said. Everything that has seemed most dependable has given away. Mountains are falling. The earth is reeling. In such a time, it is a profound comfort to know that although all things seem to be shaken, one thing is not. God is not shaken. The thing that is most needful is to do what the psalmist does later in the psalm, to be still and to know that God is God. It comforts us and infuses strength into our faltering spirits to rest on that truth. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when we are in the moments where we need to find refuge, where we need to find strength, where we need to find a very present help, our fortress. It is helpful for us as God's people to meditate on the attributes, the characteristics of our God as revealed to us in the Word. You may have noticed that we actually did that this morning as we were, as I was leading in the congregational prayer. Just Reminding ourselves, praying God's attributes back to Him. As we do that, He comforts us and He fills us with hope. The psalmist says not only that God is a fortress in the midst of the chaos, he goes on in verses 4 through 7 in the second stanza to say, God is a fortress in the middle of the battles. Notice how he says this in verses 4 and following. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will, be with, will, will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. He begins this stanza with this description of a wonderful, beautiful, serene, peaceful city in verses 4 and 5, the city of God. But he gives us this picture in verse 6 that this, this peaceful city of God has a battle looming at its door. A siege against the city is about to come. There were probably some literal historical references that the psalmist is pointing to uh, for the people that would have been reading these words for the first time. 
But there's also an analogy here of something bigger, the battles that we all have taking place in our lives. And he says that in the midst of the siege of those battles, of the wars that are coming to us, there is hope. The city, he says, will not be moved, will not be taken over, will not be destroyed. Why not? Well, what does he say in verses 5 and the beginning of verse 7? It's because God's there. God is in the midst of her. God is in the midst of the city. The battles are looming on the outside, but the fortress is there. The people are there. God is with them. He also talks about the fact that God is not only just present, but He is all-powerful. Look at what He says at the end of verse 6. God simply utters His voice and the earth melts. God simply speaks and the rebellion, the battle is defeated. That language that, that he's using there reminds us of God creating all of creation by the word of his power. And by the word of his power, God speaks and the earth melts and he brings an end to the rebellion and the battles around us. That also brings us back to Luther's hymn, where at the end of one of the stanzas he says, One little word shall fell the evil one. It's because God is all-powerful. He says that again at the beginning of verse 7, that He is the Lord of hosts. He's Jehovah Sabaoth. Where Luther gets his phrase, the Lord Sabaoth. It means the God of the armies of heaven. All power, all might are at God's disposal to keep those in the fortress safe and secure. He is present. He is there in their midst. He is all powerful. And notice he also says that he is the God that keeps his promises. You can see that at the end of verse 7, where he refers to the Lord of hosts being with them. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That's not just simply another name for the Lord. It's a reference it's a reference back to the Old Testament, to a God who had made promises to his people, to Abraham, to Jacob, to Isaac. He's reminding them, he's drawing their attention to the reality that God is a God who keeps his covenant promises with his people. That when they are in the midst of the battle and they are unsure of what is going to happen, God is there in their midst. He is all powerful and he is faithful. Faithful to bring His promises to bear. And He even gives them more encouragement at the end of verse 5 by telling them that God does it quickly. That's what that little phrase at the end of verse 5 means, that God will help her when morning dawns. It's, a, it's an idiom meaning soon. The Lord will be with them, keeping them secure. There's an interesting story in the scripture in 2 Kings chapter 6. The story is about Elisha, the prophet, and one of his servants who's unnamed in this story. They're in the city of Dothan. And the people of God are there. Elisha, the prophet, is there. The servant of Elisha is there. But... Outside the city of Dothan, the king of Syria has brought his armies and encircled the city. 
He intends to capture Elisha because he wants the power that he sees Elisha has. Elisha summons his servant and sends his servant outside the city to see what's happening, to get a, to get a view, to get an eye on what's happening. The servant goes out and he sees the incredible, prolific, powerful armies of Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria. The chariots, the soldiers, the horses surrounding the city. Frantically, the servant runs back into the city and goes to Elisha and cries out, What are we going to do? Elisha prayed. And he asked for God to help. Specifically, he asked God to open their eyes and to show them His protection in the midst of great danger. The servant was then sent back outside. And as he went out, his eyes were opened. And he saw the hills around the city were filled with horses and chariots and the armies of heaven. And then Elisha told his servant, Those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. Sometimes when the battles of our lives seem overwhelming, we need to pray like Elisha did. We need to go to the Lord and ask for Him to open our eyes so that we can see what is actually true. That in the midst of the battles of life that we fight, we do not need to fear because our God is a mighty fortress who will not be moved and He is with us. That when we are hard pressed and attacked and beaten down and our faith is threatened or we have questions that do not seem to have answers, we will not fear because God is with us, our very present help in our troubles. The one who is with us is greater than the trials and the difficulties and even the questions that we face. He is all powerful. His word is always true and his hosts will always protect us. And His promises will never fail. His promise to never leave us or forsake us. Because He's faithful. That's what Luther was getting at in verse 2 of A Mighty Fortress when he said, Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Just ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is He. Lord Sabaoth, His name. From age to age the same. He shall win. The battle. And we get a sense of that in the last stanza here of Psalm 46. As the psalmist help us understand that not only that God is a fortress in the midst of the, the chaos. And that God is a fortress in the midst of the battles of our lives. But God is a fortress that brings us peace. 
That's what he's getting at in verses 8 through 11. Come, he says, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still, he says, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Here's a picture of the future when the chaos and the storms have been stilled. When the battles are over and the challengers have been defeated. When God has conquered it all and won the battles and calmed the chaos and He announces His victory. He announces His rule. That's what He's saying in verse 10. In the midst of the chaos and the wars that are raging against us, He looks at us as His people and He says, My beloved people, be still. Be quiet. Be at peace. Because I am your God. And I am the one who overcomes. I am the one that will bring these things to pass. And so it makes sense that He ends... With the great refrain in verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Psalm 46 gives us this picture. It's not always a pretty picture. It's a picture of chaos happening around us. It's the picture of a world that is falling apart. It's the picture of the reality of war and discord. Perhaps with literal connections for the people that were reading it initially when it was written. But certainly analogously to all of us who deal with the storms and the battles of life. And through it all, the fortress stands. Indestructible. Unconquerable. Inaccessible. A place of security and safety and refuge and support. Our friends, our family members, the Parnies, are clinging to that truth. They're modeling for us what it looks like to go through the greatest of tragedies. Clinging to these truths. I can only imagine that in the days and the weeks and the months to come, there are going to be times when they're going to need us to point them back to these truths. And that's what the church does. They tell it to us. We tell it to them over and over and over again. We remind ourselves of what God's Word says because it is right, it is true, and we lean on one another Intentionally pointing ourselves back to our great God who is our fortress. Let me finish this morning with a final question that really is presupposed up until this point. How do you get into the fortress? How do you get into this place of refuge and strength and help and peace? Jesus was speaking with his disciples at one point 
John chapter 14 records us, records for us that story. He was talking with his disciples. And if you know anything about Jesus' disciples, these were people that were full of fear. They were full at times of discord. They knew of the battles and the chaos happening around them. And they often wondered, will they make it through? And into the midst of that kind of confusion and battle and chaos, Jesus spoke to them. And this is what He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father, to the fortress, except through Me. Jesus is our only way to get into the fortress. He's the only way to have true security and strength in the midst of the storms and the wars of this life. He is the only one that gets us to a place of the fortress and the greatest challenge we face when we are called to give an account before a holy God of our lives. It is to be in Christ, to be united to Him by faith that brings us into this fortress. He's the only way in. There are many other fortresses that we can try. Many other things that we can try to find our hope and our strength and our comfort from. Money, power, family, children, education, a church, our physical appearance. But none of those things that we would look to as a fortress can withstand the greatest storms and wars of life. None of those things can ultimately protect us. They cannot ultimately give us the strength that we need and remove the fear that we will inevitably come up against. The walls of those fortresses will come down. They'll be washed away by the sea. They'll be overcome by the enemy. They'll be taken over by those assaulting us. Those fortresses will crumble. But listen to this. Our only ultimate hope and strength and refuge is the gospel of grace through Jesus Christ the Lord. It is in Jesus Christ that there is the power of the forgiveness of our sins. Our sins past, present, and future. It is only in Christ that we find the power of the forgiveness even for sins that are done intentionally. It is only in Christ Jesus And it is in Christ Jesus that we find the power of forgiveness, even for the sin of taking one's own life. The only way to gain access into this forgiveness, into this fortress, is through Jesus Christ, through His life and death and resurrection. That's the way into our fortress of hope and strength and refuge and forgiveness and grace. Luther gets at this as he ends his hymn. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed His truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for Him. 
His rage we can endure. For lo, His doom is sure. One little word shall fell Him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them, abideth. The Spirit and the gifts are ours through Him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also. The body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom, His fortress, is forever. Let's pray together. Father, as we've even heard in Your Word, we come before You and say, we believe, help our unbelief. We come to You as people who have faith, but sometimes it's weak, and sometimes it is shaken, sometimes it is unsteady. But it is a faith in You, a faith in our Savior nonetheless. And so we come before You and we say, we believe, help our unbelief. Do that now, even as we come to the table, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Do each week we come to the end of our service and we come to this table and we come to this means of grace. We come to the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And we come to this table regularly because we know we need it regularly. As we come to this table, we know that it points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. His body, His blood given for us as He went to the cross. And after living a life of perfect love and obedience to His Father, gave His life as a sacrifice so that our sins might be put upon Him, that we might have forgiveness and His righteousness credited to our account. And we come to this table to remember that as we eat the bread and we drink the cup. But we also believe this is a means of grace. And so we come to this table as we come to this table in faith, believing in Jesus, looking to him for our strength and our hope and our salvation, that the Holy Spirit will take what we're doing in this very common way and strengthen us. As we go out this week, things are hard and difficult, some of which we know. Maybe things we don't even know about yet. We have the promise of the Holy Spirit that as we eat and drink in faith, not only will He remind us of these great truths, He will strengthen us to send us out to be His people. So let's pause for a moment now. If you are in Christ Jesus this morning and you have made a public profession of your faith, it doesn't have to have been here at Trinity, but, but another church that believes the gospel and teaches God's word. If you've, if you've made that public profession somewhere, then eat and drink and be reminded of these wonderful truths and be strengthened in your faith. And as we prepare to do that, let's pause and thank Him for giving us this table and ask Him to do this for us. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do come before you and we are so thankful for the Lord's Supper. We're thankful for this means of grace, this, this once more reminder of our Savior. How much you love us. The truth that you indeed are our fortress. Thank you, Father, for the reminder and thank you that as we come by faith, you will strengthen us. We need it. We need it in the days and the weeks and the months to come. So we pray you would do this for your glory, first and foremost, but also, Father, for the good of your people. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.